So how long have you been? Like, when did you move here from Nassau? Okay, in the United States. I've sure. been in the United States for about four years. Okay. Michigan, three months. And I was in Kansas before. <laughs> so the comparison between Michigan and Kansas, huh, totally different. Really? Yes. It's not like when it flurries in Kansas, we have snow days. So oh, sure. Wow. <clears throat> we, oh. Had, we had a light dusting of frost in, when I lived in Texas. And, and it, it shut down everything. everything. They don't play except, about snow. Except for my job. <laughs> Of course, as it, as it always goes. Yeah, they were like, crazy people are out on the road trying to drive in this, yeah. but you as an admission counselor have to drive, like, 100 miles and go visit a school and try to figure it out. Because that school is in an area where it's not flurrying, of course. So, so here we are. <laughs> so here we are. I woke up this morning, opened my door, and I was like, no. Yeah, this I is, no. I don't know how I you all do that. The international students, I don't know how you guys do this. Oh, and I always feel bad, like, here... Like, we'll have really? Chinese and Japanese um, international students, mm-hmm. and they, because some of them have never experienced super cold weather, they don't have the proper coats, and so we always have to do this, like, in, like this assimilation process where it's like, you know, you will, you will <laughs> die of hypothermia, like, like, seriously. I think there's so much adjustments for international students, though, coming from, like, any other country yeah. to America, it's... Huge. Just yeah. overall adjustments? Yeah, overall. Like, adjusting to the weather, adjusting to the food, adjusting to the new system of having to check in, like, mm. with someone all the time. Yeah, it's it's different. Who do you have to check in with all the time? What do you mean? The Office of International Education. Like, because I'm here on F1 visa, mm-hmm. I have to constantly check in with the Office of International Education to make sure that I'm always in status. Because if I get out of status, it's bye-bye, Mikey. Right, right. So, so what does in status mean? So, in status means that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do to allow you to stay here. So, because I'm a student, I have to make sure that I'm registering for classes. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that um, I'm not working over the amount of hours I'm allowed to work. I have to make sure that I always update my address. Like, they have to know where I'm at at all times. Right, right. If I want to travel out of the country, I have to get signatures from the Office of International Education. It's just a lot. There's a lot of compliance that the, that the mm-hmm. Office of International Students and Scholars... Um, has these international students do, and it's not even the office; it's the government, it's right? The government. It's at the yeah. federal right, level. Right, right. So mm-hmm. these students have to, like, if you're an undergrad student, you have to be registered for 12, 12 credit hours to at be considered full time, yeah. yeah. right? Or a graduate student have to have eight out eight credit hours to mm-hmm. be full time and yeah. be able to stay in the country. And then there's like Mikey said, there's just so many compliance issues around mm-hmm. like traveling, going to Canada for the weekend, right, right. like you know, you have to have. So many signatures on your I-20. Your I-20 has to be updated. Um, visas and passports have to be regulated and make sure that it's, you know, not expiring soon or within six months. Mm-hmm. It's just like all of this compliance that I don't think I, I would have ever, you know, understood prior to uh, our research. Speaking of which, that reminds me one time I went to Canada. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, backstory. I came to America um, July 31st. No, July 16th, and I wasn't supposed to travel until the 31st. So when I got to the airport and I came to the U.S. border, they told me that um, I can't travel on my F-1 visa. I would have to enter on my visitor's visa because I'm not in my time period to travel on my F-1. It's like 30 days before, and I was like 42 days before. And so they told me that I couldn't travel on F-1, and I was coming to like start school, and so I had to go to Canada to get stamped like I had to go out of the country right, right. to come back in to get stamped and at the border they stopped me it was the scariest thing ever like they stopped me at the border and they said um, 
your documents, you're not checked in as F1. Uh-huh. And so they had to check me in as F1 and then I was free to go. But usually right. at the border, if you like go to Canada and you're at the border, they won't let you back in the country. They will ship you from the border to your country right away. They will not let you back into America if you're not, like, if you don't have the right documents. Right. Like, the states will ship you back? The or states will ship gotcha, you back. Yeah, okay, they will keep okay. you, like, in hostage. Well, not in hostage, but, like... <laughs> but, I, but you, yeah, in cages move. for some yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. They will not let you go. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't... I haven't had to... Experience, I haven't experienced that at all with, with any of our students, but their records will be terminated, you know, mm-hmm. if with certain things like that. Like, in an instant, the government can literally... And I also think that the new administration, with the new administration... Oh, yes. Politically, yeah. that For shifts... Sure. That shifts everything as well. So, like, you know, another two years or whatever, all of these policies might change or look different or whatever. So, yeah, that was the other... Um, that was the other question that I had. Uh, sorry to pick on you, Mike. It's okay. But, uh, You're fine. <laughs> um, when, like, when the current president was elected in and there was that promise within his first 100 days about... Um, uh, redoing student visa status and mm-hmm. how anyone that was here on a student visa might have to go back to their home country and not finish their degree in states. Like, that was super scary, right? Yeah. Like, even for me, I'm like, well, I have a lot of international students, like, <laughs> or uh, international friends. Like, uh-huh. what, what, what's going to happen? Right. Um, has, has, have you seen that this administration affect those policies yet? Um, I think with the election of this with the electing of this new administration i was fearful too like off the bat i was fearful i'm like well he gonna send me back but um on that same token i was like all right i'm ready to go back it's fine like i wasn't tripping about it but no i haven't seen any like Mm -hmm. direct effects of it however they have clamped down a lot like when you're going to get your visa so a part of the process of coming to like america as a student you have to apply to the school get accepted and then you have to apply for your i-20 from the school Mm -hmm. and once the school sends you that i-20 in your package you have to get a cvis and a cvis is like cvis Cvis is like i don't know how they track you it's an acronym i'm not sure what the acronym is but um, it's a document or a registration yeah okay. it's like a number that they track gotcha. by and so you have a specific CVIS number and once you get that CVIS number you can apply for your student visa and that's F1 or J1 like if you're on like a temporary program you get a J1 but if you're F1 that's like a four year program mm-hmm. um, you apply for that student visa then the visa process is gruesome in itself mm-hmm. like you have to get an interview and you have to ensure that you have all of these documents proving like you have these it's a lot the Mm -hmm. process is a lot and so um after you get approved for your visa then you're good to go to come to the states once you get to the states you have to check in with your school and then you have to update all of your information with them ensuring that you have like international um, health insurance and stuff like that to make sure that you're in status and once that's settled you're good to go until the next semester rolls around you have to like check in every semester Mm -hmm. to make sure that you remain in status because once you're out of status it's very hard to get back into status Mm -hmm. right because it's your record on the CVIS system CVIS stands for student and exchange visitor information system so so once you're out of status with CVIS Mm -hmm. like like Mikey said it's so so hard to get back in because the government doesn't trust you now yeah so your CVIS number is basically like a social security number for international students but that's the thing like I have to get a social security number too Oh, so there's a different tracking if process for that. If you yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And if you want, like, legal documentation, like, mm-hmm. if you wanted to get a license, you would have to have a social. Gotcha. I yeah. see. So before we go on to the working portion, um, 
you said that you've been here for three years? Well, in Kansas for three years. And, and then here a couple months, right? Yeah. Um, so were you, um, were you in um, Nassau all through high school? Yep. So how did you, how did you know... Um, how did you know how to do the process? Okay, so That's a great question. my sister, my <laughs> y'all, we are a mess. Anyway, my sister, um, she went to university prior to me. And so I have a sister that's two years older than me. So she did the whole process. And so I knew what it looked like. I had a heads up. For, but for students that don't have a sister or a brother that went off before them, they go through like agencies, like maybe College Ready, mm-hmm. um, Education USA, which is like an organization that has a partnership with a lot of US and Canadian universities. Mm-hmm. And they get you set up and connected with the university, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So these are us run agencies that reach out or bahamian run agencies that are connected with the u.s gotcha Gotcha. question do you do both both of you think that it's worth it right like particularly i think you know the institutions have had to do like a welcoming campaign with this new administration like to say to tell international students you you are welcome here Mm -hmm. right and just and to kind of reverse the tone i think that's being set that we are not a welcoming place people culture um, do you think that it's worth it? Do you think that it's worth to go through all of these hoops and jumps to study in the uh, in like undergrad or graduate school or like for these international students? Is that like particularly? I, I'm imagining if I'm from China, England, um, places that have incredible institutions. This is what's crazy to me. Like with all that stigma that is already established around like the United States education or mm-hmm. like just the United States in, in general, general, right? Um, internationals still want to come here because there's so much hype though it has that negative connotation Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hype outside of of america about america and so like america is still seen by a lot of international countries as the land of opportunity like you can do so much here Mm -hmm. and it depends on which international student you pull and they will tell you yeah this is much better than my home like Mm -hmm. logistically like making money and stuff like that it's much better than my home but yeah, they'll tell you that. So for some people, yeah, it's worth it. For me, it's worth it because um, we don't have these opportunities in the Bahamas. Like the opportunity to study HISA, higher education, mm-hmm. that's not a degree in the Bahamas. So a lot of things aren't offered in underdeveloped countries. Not to say that my country's undeveloped. We're just not there in our education system yet. And so I had to seek education elsewhere to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I... So I studied abroad for six months in in England. It was a pro, it was a it was an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap, and so I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I know that. Yep, yep. It was uh, not a gigantic culture shock because it was still predominantly <laughs> yeah. white, yeah. English speaking, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However, <clears throat> um, it allowed me to travel the you know all over the UK, Ireland, and the continent. So even though you know it was predominantly white, I still got like a huge influx of culture Mm -hmm. just from doing that and that was just six months uh if i had the opportunity to do something like that for for a four-year degree i would absolutely take it now granted it's a lot easier going elsewhere you know because the states are so stringent on everything um and i but i remember at that the time that i was preparing to study abroad um it was the shoe bomber on the london tube um uh-huh. and so it was this big like yeah they were there was this big hubbub about um international people coming to 
to uh, England and bringing, you know, because the shoe bomber, they thought he was influenced by, you know, outside forces and all this other stuff, right? So trying to get my international student ID card and my passport to study abroad for that long and my student, we didn't have technically have a student visa, um, which was, I thought was weird, but um, it just wasn't required. Um, but you had to be registered as an international student. Mm. Yeah. Um, so was it ISICS? Like I-S-C-I-S? I think that sounds right. Mm. But what's what's ISICS? I'm going to show you. Continue though. Oh, okay. So, but anyway, I, I, I think back to that process and how just nerve-wracking it was because you had to go through, um, when we went through customs, yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> And I, I still have it framed at home. Yep. I love you guys. <laughs> um, um, I looked like a... I had a real derpy picture when, when I took mine. It was real bad, bad. But the thing is, that's what you use to get in clubs. Yeah. Like when, when, you need that ID yeah. everywhere you go. Yeah. Is it your, name, your, your age on it as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used it as an ID when I came back yeah. to America. And in oh, wow. in the UK, all clubs have like a scanner that you put it into. To make sure and, it's legit. Right. And it, reg- and it like pulls up the registry so it'll say, this is your birth date of this student. And they can make sure that you are of age in whatever country you're in. Mm-hmm. But why is this in Spanish? Because I went to Spain. Right. Oh, my god. Mine had okay. mine had French, um, French, Italian, and English on, like, my card. Oh, guys, I love it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. my Like I said, mine's framed at home. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that that's exactly what it was. Um, but that, that process was awful, and I was only going for six months. I yeah. can't even imagine the process of trying to get into the States. You and going six for months fl- to a place that USA has like very good relations uh, right. with, like very good reciprocity right. with. Like, imagine, yeah. Imagine a Chinese student coming here, a Russian student coming here. Right? What? Yeah. You as well. Bahamas. I feel like you know we. I think that we have a generally good relationship with America, so they're not like they like kind of welcome me, but any other country that just like Mexico. When I worked in Texas, that was Ooh. it was it was it was real rough. You're on right. those those international Mexican students, they do they, not play. And uh, I don't even think in my mind if I'm Mexican, I'm even attempting. I don't even think that that would cross my mind to be yeah. from Guadalajara and be like <laughs> yeah, Michigan. But no. right. I don't even think that would cross my mind. There, but it's better Michigan than some other states. Let me tell you, because they, whew, wow, they ain't nice. It's true. I used to recruit in the deep south and. <laughs> That's probably my worst life. Even the black folks down there are mean. <laughs> like, no offense, but... Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Mem- Memphis? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's rough times. Yeah. So what sort of preparation... Uh, was there specific papers that you had to get together in order to, like, even start the process? Like, did you have to have your birth certificate? Did you have to have... No, I think that once I had my passport, I was good to go to start the process. However, like I said, like, I needed my visa. Like, mm-hmm. you cannot literally study in the United States without a student visa. Like, in fact, I have it with me. <laughs> I'm prepared. And so I think, like, I can speak on EMU specifically. Like, mm-hmm. I think that Easter does a really good job of putting programs in place to educate students, maybe, because this is not your first time, like, you have kids no, yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. But there are obviously students at EMU that are first first gen first coming to america Mm -hmm. people international students right who need to know and they have like a very comprehensive orientation program right that uh, that really speaks to registering registering for classes making sure you're in compliance with the number of hours and credit hours and and visa and 
all of that that you're pulling out right now. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking. Um, but yeah, and I think I think the or, and, and it's and it's mandatory. So every mm-hmm. it's like mandatory. You cannot. They will, yeah, they will hold your account. You won't be able to like register for classes or anything unless you unless do you have gone to the things you need to do. Gotcha. Yeah, which is helpful. I think it is can be. It gives you a lot of the reason this specific orientation wasn't helpful for me is because this isn't my first time at the rodeo. Right, right. Like, so I know the things to look for. I know what I need to be aware of, what I need to be doing. But as a freshman, going to that orientation meant everything to me. Because I did not know that, hey, you have to update your information every semester. Mm -hmm. You have to have signatures to leave the country. Like your I-20, the document that you always have to keep. And you have to keep these documents on you at all times. Mm -hmm. But your I-20 has to be signed when you leave the country because when you get to the border and you're trying to come back in, they say no. Yeah. You're not. They hold you at the border. That's crazy. Wow. And you know what I think? And I do think that there are international students who are out of status who are still illegally, I shouldn't, I mean, illegally. Technically, technically, illegally. Technically, right? Going to class, working out of status and should not be in the country. And so I think that pool of people, that pool of international students, are in trouble but also kind of sour the pot for everybody else right mm-hmm. and i think that now they're cracking down on the the administration administration is cracking down right at the borders and stuff and it's like when they get caught at the borders it's it like you can't like they will put like a 10 year hold on your right, passport right. yeah you, you will not be able to come right. back in this country so staying in status is very important yeah, but Eastern does a really good job, as Jordan said, um, at making sure that you stay in status. Mm-hmm. Like, they're sending emails every week reminding you of the things you need to do. Yeah. And they have programs in place to make sure that you're getting done what you need to get done. Like, mm-hmm. the beginning of the semester, they had a driver's license thing um, right, right. where you can come and do your driver's license test in the office. And so um, that was pretty useful because a lot of international students don't have cars. Right, right. right. So Secretary of State literally came to Eastern and, like, in a very legit professional way tested these students to get their license the driver's license it was awesome and social security numbers yeah. driver's license and social security number that day it was like this yeah. event and it was incredible wow right so that being said you said that you uh, need a social security card in order to work yeah and we were talking about OPT and CPT before uh. um, so can you talk a little bit about that because these are all new terms to me I know CPT now I now know that <laughs> it stands for curricular practical training uh-huh. and OPT where's my paper stands for optional practical training yeah so can you talk about a little bit about the difference between the two so ironically I went to a CPT seminar today with Jordan okay. and we learned a lot from the CPT seminar it's another initiative that Eastern puts on in order to apply for CPT you have to have this seminar which is interesting because at my old school you didn't you didn't have to do a seminar to apply for CPT you just so it's had like to. university to university yeah. yeah yeah and so CPT what I understand to be is like you can apply for work mm-hmm. that um, involves your degree while you're getting your degree so gotcha. it's it's co- it coincides with your degree and you have to be doing a program in order to apply for this internship mm-hmm. Um, OPT is after I knew about OPT because my sister did a lot of OPT mm-hmm. um, OPT is like the work you apply for after you completed your degree like you have your degree in hand and mm-hmm. you're applying for work and you can work up to like one or two years and then after OPT your OPT expires you can apply for like a HB1 mm-hmm. 10 I think it is and then once you apply for that you can be on the road to getting a green card Gotcha. And residency, which is quite like a that. process, and the, the a, getting the H one B is like a lottery. <laughs> like yeah. there's like a pool of a pool of students or a pool of people who like apply from the, the want to go from F one to H one B, and it is a lottery system. So, 
It's luck of the draw, Ryan literally. Ryan is legitimately yeah. luck of the draw. So can you keep applying? Like, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, no, because you would have to go back to school to start another remain. program to remain in status. Oh and God. then after you finish that program, you have to apply for OBC again and then go back in the pool. That's obnoxious. That's obnoxious. Which is why I think that international students at Eastern are, are lucky, I think, because since the international numbers are small in comparison to, say, a U of M or an NSU, mm-hmm. the, 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 the crew, the, the, the professors or the workers at mm-hmm. OISS can kind of communicate with each individual international student, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really, really explain to you CPT and OPT and driver's license day and, like, you know what I mean? Really, mm-hmm. really, really con- connect with each international student so that no one's, like, left in the cracks. Yeah. Right, no one right. at Eastern, no international student is left in the cracks, which I think would be look very different here at U of M, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know. One, one of the one of the models that we read for our bibliography, um, it talked about um, how important it was for the host community for the institution to really get involved in that sort of thing, um, especially when it comes to like if we're talking about CPT, there might be a an internship in the community that um, relates to your your degree program, mm-hmm. your major, minor, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and if you don't have that buy-in from the community, you're basically, you are disadvantaging these international students because they they might not be able to do a CPT because the community doesn't support offer or yeah. offer yeah. Um, to these international students for whatever reason, you know. We, that was literally um, my case in undergrad. I mm-hmm. didn't do CPT or OPT in my undergrad, which was like I was in a STEM major, which means that I would have more time for OPT. I would be granted up to two years for OPT instead of the typical one year. Um, but I didn't do it because I was in an area where there were no opportunities. Right, right. And I didn't have a car, so everything was so far that I couldn't even apply for anything. And one of my friends, um, she graduated and she was applying for OPT and she could not find a job. And she interviewed like three major places and she got a job at one of these places and after she disclosed that she was an international student, they said, oh sorry, we can't give you the job. And she had turned down everything else, hoping that she had that one. And so she was back at the beginning again because they said that they don't hire international students. That's incredible. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's such a long journey, you know, and it's, it's, there's so much compliance and there's so <clears throat> many just nuances to understand as an international student outside of the cultural <laughs> assimilation or acclimation yeah. to the, to this country outside of just like traveling to another place. There's mm-hmm. just so many federal rules and policies to know, yeah. you know adding on to the stress of Absolutely. being an undergrad or a graduate student. Um, <laughs> Didn't you think about school? Or, <laughs> yeah, school. Or you can be in a, you can be a, a multiple minority in a place that, where you're the only multiple minority. <laughs> yes. You don't speak the language. You know, you yeah. don't look the same. You yeah. don't have, you have different culture. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that's a lot of stress. It is. But y'all are doing it. But well, once yeah. you get the hang of it, you're good. good. Right, right. Yeah. Good. You're just chilling. So then, for success and maintenance, um, you were talking about a little bit with OISS mm-hmm. at Eastern. Um, so it sounds like the staff there does a pretty good job of ensuring the success of their students. For sure. Absolutely. So they had the driver's license um, fair. I don't know what else to call it. It's driver's license day, but yeah. Day? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, things like that. Do they also help with like placement in like CPT opportunities um is there an office there that specifically handles it um you know what's what's most fascinating about OISS is you know with the EMU budget cuts 
then the office is now cut in half, right? So there's literally three people catering to the entire international student population when there were seven before. So it's fascinating. And I think they're overworked and they're stressed, these staff members Mm -hmm. in this office. But um, the number one goal and the number one mission is like student development and making sure that they are making an impact for these. It's it's cool to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I work at the front desk, so it's like I'm kind of like hands off a little bit in terms of like the nitty gritty and like advising. Sure. But it's it's just interesting to see the amount of the volume, I guess, of international students from everywhere come in with different varying levels of need, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that the office is just such a pivotal part of that retention, first and foremost. First, yeah. you can't. How can you stay, right? If you don't know what you need to do, mm-hmm. um, that retention and that success. Yeah. So who who should international students um, seek out? Like once once they've done everything else, they've done all the you know bureaucratic stuff for the U.S. They've gotten all the paperwork. They've got all the documentation, IDs, everything. They're now on campus. They sort of know how to navigate campus a little bit. But who should they first and foremost seek out in order to? Um, ensure that they're maintaining they're being successful keep in contact with your international office but um if we're talking about like acclimating to the u.s culture then be either i think that um for me what i did was i reached out to people that look like me so i joined the black student union Mm -hmm. and that's where i found my home in the office of diversity and inclusion in the black student union and people that look like me and it surprised me how much similarities and overlay there was between me being an international student black female and the other black african-american females like Mm -hmm. you'd be so surprised but that's where i found my family Mm -hmm. so i would say look for people like you i also think you know you have to seek out the dso which is the individual in an international office who is that point person? Because mm-hmm. there's like a director, there's an international director, but this DSO is the one who is tra- who is signing all of your I-20s. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's that point of contact between you, essentially, and the federal government, and so that relationship with her is, is essential. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jenny was the first person I met when I went to the international office um, here mm-hmm. at Eastern. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know what? Thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, I think I think we covered everything that we needed to cover, and we appreciate your presence, you know? This is great. I hope you join us for our next one. This has been Evan. <laughs> Jordan. And Mikey. Signing off.